Anxiety shouldn't be the norm. Get the powerful, safe audio system for anxiety over at quietbegins.com. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello, welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani, and I am here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about in this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. I'm going to jump right into an email. Uh, this email is not going to be presenting me with a challenge. <laughs> Some of them do. And I mean challenge in a way where they're asking a question. They're just sharing something. I'm going to read you just a couple lines uh, near the end. Uh, this person was talking about having a fear of abandonment and having people in her life pass on and not having any way to deal with it and trying to figure out what she could do for herself because she had this fear that people were going to leave her life. Then a friend of hers got cancer and she's worried about that friend disappearing. But then that friend turned out to be emotionally abusive. So there's a lot involved in her email, but there's a few things that I'm going to read at the end that she wrote. And I'm just going to read this to you now. She says, the first thing that I found online upon searching was an article dealing with triggers. So she was looking for things about the silent treatment, which her friend was uh, doing to her. She said, you gave us an exercise to do, the one where you bring up a memory in your mind and then ask yourself if you felt those same feelings the day before, a month before, etc. I did that exercise as I was reading for my fear of abandonment. And I immediately noticed the anxiety, the stress, the strong feelings that I had been experiencing around the whole memory decrease dramatically. I couldn't believe how reframing this incident could make so much difference. While I have not forgotten it or have fully dealt with it yet, the strong emotions surrounding it have tremendously dissipated and I've left in my mind a much clearer space so I can make more sense of it all. So there's one section that she wrote and I am so glad to hear that that exercise worked for you and helped you through this. And I'll tell you, I believe she's talking about the exercise where I tell you to bring up a memory from your past, a negative event from your past. And if you have any negative feelings about it today, if you have any trauma about it today, if when you think about it, you get very emotional about it, or you're still holding on to anger, sadness, or some other emotion that you just can't seem to shake, then this is where that exercise can come in handy. And I will admit, this is not something that I made up. This is something that I've learned over the years. When you are dealing with memories, they are typically in a time order, a sequential order. And I learned this in NLP specifically, where you can play with your memories in the sequence 
of the time they occurred. What I mean by that is that let's just say that something bad happened to you yesterday. You can think about something negative or bad happening to you yesterday or sometime in the recent past. And when you think about it, your mind tends to know it was in the past. Your mind just knows it. So what's neat about this is that our brain somehow knows to put the events that happened in our life in a sequential order of the time that they happened. Again, what I mean by that is that when you think of something that happened, something bad that happened to you, or something that really left a powerful negative effect on you, you can remember it was in the past. You don't remember that it was in the future, unless you have some abilities that other people don't have, but when I think about something that happened in my life, it's always in the past. Just five seconds ago when I was talking about this, it's still in the past. If something just happened to me this morning, it was in the past. So that's what I mean by memories being sequentially ordered. It's a linear ordering of our memories. I'm not saying this is true science. I'm not saying that this is exactly how it works. It just seems to work this way for most people. You may be different, but for me, when I think of something bad that happened to me, I remember it being in the past. So this is what we're talking about, and this is what I'm going to highlight to you in relation to this person's letter, is that when you think of something negative that happened to you, you very likely think about it in the past, however you order that in your mind, and you very likely, and here's the second part of this, you very likely remember something that happened before that event and something that happened after that event. A good example is I remember when I got my first car. Let's give you something benign here. I remember when I got my first car. It was a dull gray four-door Toyota for 500 bucks. And um, it lasted as long as it lasted. <laughs> it was an old used car. Uh, I remember my friends actually buying that off for me and then abandoning it on the highway somewhere. Totally different story for a totally different day. But when I had it, I remember having it. I remember driving it. I remember the smell inside the car. It wasn't a bad smell. It was just an old smell. But I also remember that before I got that car, I didn't have it. And I remember those days I wasn't driving a car. I remember those days, just like I remember the days after I got rid of that car, I had another car. I remember not having that car before and after the event. I know this sounds like Mr. Obvious right now, but bear with me, this is going somewhere. So you can think of a negative event that happened in your life, and you can remember a lot about that event, typically, and you can remember maybe the age you were, and you can remember something that happened before that event and something that happened after that event. Placing that memory, that event, in a point in time in your mind. Working with time in this way is actually very therapeutic, is very helpful to remember that that event took place in a point of time that your mind has now organized sequentially unless it mixed it up. I mean, this happens too. You can think of something that happened after and it really happened before and vice versa. You can think of something that happened before and it really happened after. 
the mind can do that sometimes, but typically with a significant event, something highly emotional, something negative, that event really sticks in your mind and you can usually remember things before and after it. Now, you don't have to remember everything immediately before it and you don't have to remember everything immediately after it. Sometimes you remember something before the event and it could be a year before the event. It could be 10 minutes, it could be 10 years. Whatever it is for you, it doesn't matter. But what I like to look at is whatever you remember before the event is really all that matters. And whatever you remember after the event is really all that matters. Meaning, let's just say that you had a negative experience and I ask you to remember something that happened before that negative experience. You might say, uh, so-and-so yelled at me. And I might ask you, oh, does that have to do with that negative experience? And you might say, yes, right before that negative experience, so-and-so yelled at me. Then I might ask, well, was there anything that happened to you before that that had nothing to do with that experience or anything leading up to that experience? And you would consider my question and you would think, well, I remember riding my bike. Okay, great. So this memory before that event has nothing to do with that event. At least it's an indirect relation. Maybe eventually it has something to do with it if we were to connect a lot of dots. But typically it's not directly related to that event. Just like there are things that happened after the event that aren't directly related to that event. Even though that event could have set some things in motion. But we don't typically always directly connect the dots to every single event in our life, to everything else that happens, even though we can. <laughs> but I don't want to get too convoluted here. Uh, let's look at a single event in your life and just play with this. I'm going to walk you through the exercise. I'm going to stop explaining. I'm going to walk you through this exercise because I, I like this exercise. And this person who wrote to me said, whoa, this did a lot for me. This significantly decreased the anxiety and the fear and everything else and, and some other negative emotions surrounding that. So I found that very useful. And because it's useful, and I only mentioned it maybe a two or three times in the entirety of this show, I think it's worth bringing up again. What I want you to do is remember a significant event in your life that you would consider bad or negative, and you also have feelings about that. And since I already mentioned it before, you probably already have something in mind. So if you, if you don't, just pause this and come up with something. Uh, or if it doesn't bother you, then you don't have to come up with anything. I'm not trying to force you to think of something bad that isn't necessarily affecting you today. I really want it to affect you today. So think of something. If it's way too traumatic, maybe this isn't the right exercise for you, or maybe it is. But I want you to you know just know that this is a safe place. We can do this together. And I'm going to take you out of any scary place that comes up. But uh, think of that negative event that happened in your life and can you recall about how old you were if you come up with a number or if you don't it's fine either way so this event happened you were about this age and if you can't think of the age that's fine do you remember what you looked like do you remember anyone else being there most of the time this is yes unless you fell out of a tree by yourself or something but just think of the people that were there if it's one person or more. And do you remember anything else about that event? If you were inside, if you were outside, the color of the room, the color of the grass, wherever you were, 
any visual cues, anything that you can see. I'm just trying to drum up the memory in a way. And remember, we're in a safe place here. You're hearing the sound of my voice and I'm walking you through this. I am with you. And as these memories come up and you probably feel it in your body, you feel it in your mind. I mean, it's giving you thoughts and it's giving you feelings. As this happens to you, I want you to now recall something that happened in the past before this event and before any of the events that led up to this event occurred. So take a moment and try to remember something that happened before this event and before anything like the chain of events that led up to that event before any of that happened. Can you think of something maybe benign, maybe pleasant or something that didn't have anything to do with that negative event before the event happened? If you need some time, go ahead and take it, you know, pause if you have to. But what I'm going to do now is ask you, when you think of what happened before that event, let me ask you if the emotions regarding that event feel the same or are they different now? So are the emotions that are associated with that event, which is now in the future, because we're thinking before the event, the event that's in the future, what about the emotions that you feel now before the event? It's going to feel different. It typically does. It typically feels either a little bit of difference or a lot. In fact, why don't you go back even further? Like if you remembered something the day before or the week before or the year before, why don't you go back even further than that, where you're going back in time even further away from that event that never occurred in the past. It only occurred in that moment sometime in the future, but way back in the past when you feel your body and think about your thoughts, where are you now with those emotions and those thoughts? way back before the event ever occurred. What does that feel like? This is where the person who wrote to me was when I said, okay, you're thinking about the event. Now go back a month before the event. How did that feel? Now go back uh, six months before the event. Go back six years before the event. How do you feel about that event now being six years in the past? So I kind of changed things up a little bit. If you've heard this episode before, I walked you through something a little bit different and I wanted to do that because there's all kinds of ways to approach this. But my general focus on this was to remember that you can use time to your advantage. And the way you use it to help you through any type of uh, traumatic experience is if you're holding on to any negativity from that traumatic experience is to remember the event and then go into the past before that event occurred and access your emotions again. And it typically lessens the emotions, the thoughts, the intensity of the event typically lessens and sometimes quite a bit, sometimes completely. Because what I like to do is take people into a past that the event is non-existent. I mean, think about that. Let's just say that a week ago somebody made you angry and you're still holding on to that anger. And if I asked you to step back into 10 years ago, before that event ever occurred, before they made you angry, 
I would ask you, okay, where are the emotions that you experienced from that event in the future now? I'm wording that a little oddly on purpose because if you're playing this full on, you are thinking about an event that's going to happen 10 years from now. <laughs> and you might think, well, that's 10 years from now and who knows what could happen in 10 years? You might even say that to yourself. Or you might say, well, that's 10 years from now. I don't want it to happen. Well, how about we slip back in time another 20 years? I don't know how old you are if this is going to bring you back beyond birth, but why not? <laughs> why not play that game? Let's just say that I asked you to slip back in time before your birth. Well, that's a little bit of a different trip. <laughs> it's a little bit of a different experience. Um, even if you don't believe that any of this uh, is possible, you're not religious, you're an atheist, or whatever you believe really doesn't matter. I'm not here to put down your belief. I'm saying that no matter what you believe, it doesn't matter. Because this is how the mind organizes information and processes information. So what we're doing is just simply playing with the highly evolved computer that is our mind. And in order to do that, in order to work with the experiences and the negativity that we've experienced in our life, we have to work within the structure of how the mind organizes information. So again, this has nothing to do with religious beliefs. This has nothing to do with your spirituality. Or maybe it does. You know, I don't know. I just know that when I create processes or learn new processes about how to deal with old trauma, I like to utilize how we think in the first place. How do you think when you think of time? When I think of time, I know there's a past and I know there's a present and I know there's a future. And even if you don't believe that time exists, there are people out there that say, well, time doesn't exist. It doesn't matter because your brain still places it somewhere and it typically places it in the order it happened. So even if you don't look at time as something that's real, there's still order. There's still some sort of organization where something happened before something else and something happened after something else. So what's neat about this is that we can play with the order as well. And we're not going to get too deeply involved with that, but let's just say that I took this negative event that happened to me, what, 35 years ago, 40 years ago, I'm 50 now, so I was, I was four. There's a big time event that happened to me when I was four, and I've already healed from it, so I'm just going to use this as an example. But this event that happened to me when I was four I can take that event and put it way in the future, like a hundred years. <laughs> it's a little strange, but why not? Who cares if it's strange? This is my mind. I could do anything I want with it. And it's basically how it works anyway. So I'm utilizing how it works. And I'm going to take this event and I'm going to throw it out into the future. Oh no, I'm not going to face that event in a hundred years, am I? No, because I'm not going to be alive in a hundred years. In fact, I put it so far into the future that I'm going to die before it ever happens. It's just stuff we can do with our brain. You know, this is truly self-help. This is you saying, you know what? My brain has a function. It has many functions. And I'm going to utilize it for the functionality it has. So I know that one of those functions is to organize events in the order they occurred. So I'm going to play with the order and see what happens when I alter some things or when I travel back in time or when I travel forward in time. I mean... Imagine traveling forward in time about 20 years in your mind, 
think about your life in 20 years and think about everything that you've accomplished in the past 20 years and all the healing that you've done and all the letting go that you've done. You will experience love. You will experience loss. You will experience pain. You will experience happiness. Everything is involved in this 20 years. And all of that almost seems like it's overriding what happened 20 years previous to today. What I mean by that is 20 years from now has occurred and 20 years ago today seems like such a distant memory that it's almost gone. Being 20 years in the future, you've gone through so much. You've gone through so much healing because I know you've gone through healing because you wouldn't be listening to something like this if you didn't start it in 20 years of being on a personal growth journey is going to be a massive step forward. In fact, probably will change your life completely. You won't even recognize this former self. You'll be someone new in the future, looking back across time, remembering different phases of your life, remembering who you were, and also maybe not remembering who you were. I mean, I do that too. I remember phases of my life and I can't even imagine being that person again. Who was I? Who was that person? I don't act that way anymore. I'm not that person anymore. That is an entirely different person. And that person had a lot of pain. That person had a lot of trauma to deal with and heal from. That person had some old emotional baggage. And as I grew throughout those years, every 5 or 10 or 15 years that seems to go by even faster as I get older, I have processed so much, not only in the past, but wow, who am I going to be in 20 years? Let me jump ahead. Whoa, here I am feeling so much different, so much better, so much more wise, having the ability to get through almost any challenge. And in that future that I'm experiencing right now, my traumatic past or any of the negativity that happened in my past is so far back that I've almost lost the ability to remember it at all. This is one of those things where when you heal from something traumatic in your past, it actually gets harder to remember it. I mean, I can speak from personal experience here. There are traumas that happened in my past that I had so much emotional connection to that when I was able to process and heal from those things and really get through the PTSD that I had, the emotional triggers that I had, when I was able to get through all of that stuff and release it, thinking back and trying to remember what I dealt with is very hard. It's very hard to remember any of this stuff. I can recall the stuff I've worked on, but it's interesting as I listen to maybe some old episodes of the show where I talk about some of my old traumas and I have to remind myself, oh yeah, I went through that. I went through that very thing and I talked about it five years ago. And here I am today thinking, oh yeah, I forgot about that stuff that happened five years ago. Imagine what it's like in 20 years. Oh my God, I don't even remember that life. I don't remember who I was. So strange. So we're taking a journey through time here and I kind of left you hanging a little bit because where I sent you was back in time before 
the event occurred way before and I asked you to get in touch with the emotions and how it felt then and I'm assuming that most people that listen to this right now are going to feel different than when they felt during the actual event because if you go back way before the event started that is a different feeling but if you go way past when the event was way in the past that's also a different feeling and sometimes the feelings that you get the emotions that come up whether way in the past when you think about who you were and feel that time in your life it feels an entirely different way because it didn't happen then and when you think about way in the future when you've gone through all this healing and processing it doesn't even exist anymore when you take all these thoughts and feelings and you integrate those thoughts and feelings into your psyche into your brain into your life it's almost as if all those old emotions and thoughts and feelings about the negative event that occurred in your life changes it might change the emotional triggers related to that event it might change the way you think about that event because you probably never played with time this way in your mind and when you play with time in your mind like this you might experience a shift and if you experience a shift I think you're on the right track I think maybe you could let go of something that you've held on to for way too long. So wherever you are, here's what I want you to do. I want to make sure that I wrap this up and make sure that your mind is in a good place. And to continue to remember that I am with you, my voice is here, that you can follow me back to the present moment, to the absolute now, where you are today. If you're sitting, if you're standing, if you're running, if you're walking, Whatever you're doing, being present about what you're doing here and now, knowing that it's safe and you're okay, you are here and now and you are alive and you are conscious and you're okay. You're okay. And whatever you're dealing with today in the present, yeah, you can be aware of that stuff now. You might have to deal with some stuff right now. If something that you need to take care of, you might have to take care of it. But I wanted to bring you back to now, bring you back to today so that you don't get stuck anywhere because it's important that you live in the now, that you understand that yes, things have happened in your past that may or may not have been resolved, that may or may not hold some emotional triggers for you that you may or may not be sensitive to, but any shifts that have occurred, just allow those shifts to occur and also know that, hey, we can't change what happened. All we can do is shift our perception of it and also let go of the negativity that we don't need to hold on to anymore. You know, if I got a flat tire last week and I was angry about it ever since, I don't need to hold on to that anger. I can hold on to some lessons. <laughs> I can say, you know what, next time I get a flat tire, I'm going to have a spare. <laughs> so it's nice to have the lessons and take those lessons with us so we don't get stuck in another situation that we don't like. But we don't have to hold on to the old emotions. Those old emotions don't need to be there. And that's what this exercise is all about. And this is why I wanted to read you that part of the email. And um, when I come back, I'm going to read you a second part of this email and go off on another tangent. <laughs> but it's going to be all about how we think and how the brain works and how we can utilize it. Uh, but you'll understand what I'm talking about when we come back. We'll be right back after this.
Well, there's nothing more encouraging and more helpful to get feedback on the companies or services that sponsor this show. And I got feedback on the service known as BetterHelp. I've had uh, two or three people reach out to me. There's one person in my Facebook group over at the Overwhelmed Brain Empowerment Group on Facebook that said she used BetterHelp. And um, I've had other people write to me and say the same thing, that they love the service. They love BetterHelp. It really helped. And I love getting that type of feedback because I only want to promote or endorse products and services that are helpful to you, that you can use, that actually affect your life in a positive way. And I've always believed in BetterHelp, and you'll probably hear me talk about them as we finish this year and into next because their service is, I believe, perfect for a lot of people that listen to this show. So if you're not familiar with BetterHelp, they are a professional counseling service that you do not have to visit in person meaning you can do it over the phone, you can do it through their messaging system, they have like an email type system that you type in, and you can do video chat. And they offer a number of professional counselors that you can send a message to anytime. You'll always get a timely and thoughtful response, and um, you can do all of this without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. And so the people that I've heard from, they have used BetterHelp, they're giving me positive feedback. And this is exactly not only what I expected, but also what I hoped for, because I do want you to have a positive experience. If you need someone to talk to, if you need a professional therapist, then BetterHelp might be a great solution for you. As soon as you join, you can start communicating in under 24 hours. And it's a service that will help you figure out what's interfering with your happiness. If there's something preventing you from achieving your goals, or if you are just feeling stressed or anxious, you're having trouble sleeping, or even some trauma that I might have brought up in you today, there might be something that you're dealing with that you can certainly talk to someone about. And BetterHelp is a great solution that I really enjoy telling you about. I want you to check them out over at BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P dot com forward slash brain. And um, if you go to that website and you sign up, you'll get 10% off your first month and you'll join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. It's professional, affordable, and they've got a lot of testimonials, including the one I just gave you today. They help with so many issues. Check them out at betterhelp.com forward slash brain. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash brain. There's a broad range of expertise in there. Check them out today. Welcome back. The next tangent that I want to go down is the very next paragraph in this email. And she writes, in another podcast you did on obsessive thoughts, you mentioned another exercise to remove or lessen the obsessive thoughts. It's one where I write down several positive outcomes that I would want from the situation with my friend. And then after each one, write regardless and the exact opposite of that outcome. It opened my eyes wide as I read each one, and immediately my level of obsession went way down. It has enabled me to further let go of this friendship and walk away. That's what I needed to do as I see I don't want or need them in my life anymore. I can't thank you enough for all of this. I have been to several therapists over the past 20 years, 
Mostly what I find from them is what you get from books or other sources, but not necessarily personal experiences. This is what, in my mind, sets you apart from them. And she goes on and says, I'm amazing. <laughs> I don't want to read you all this adoration, but she thanks me. And I am grateful that you wrote all of this. Thank you so much. This person who wrote, I won't mention uh, her name, but I am so grateful for you. And thank you for sharing this. And I'm going to come right back into what she was talking about with obsession and the word regardless. I love using this. I forgot all about this. I need to write this stuff down because I need to put it in a book somewhere sometime and create this as one of the exercises in the book. Because what she is saying is, uh, it was in one of my episodes on obsession, and what I talked about uh, had to do with another person. If you are having any type of obsessive thought about what you want another person to do or say, this process can help you break out of that thought. It may not be 100% effective, but it will help you loosen the, the obsessive grip that you have on the thought. And what this regardless statement does is it tests or challenges your want or your need against their want or their need or their desire or their belief in a way that shows you a reality that you may not like. Because when we're obsessed, we want a reality to exist that doesn't exist. That's typically what obsession is. It's like we want something to be that isn't. And so we rely on wishful thinking, hope, and praying, and whatever it takes so that this reality comes to fruition. But obsessing requires the reality to never come to fruition. And as long as the reality that we want to happen doesn't happen, we stay obsessed. And so the obsession continues as long as you believe there's a possibility of it happening. We open ourselves up to alternate realities that will probably never, ever happen. We get stuck in obsessive thought patterns that keep us in the rut of possible realities that will never exist. I'm not talking about quantum physics. I'm talking about reality. I'm talking about what you see in front of you right now. You're either going to accept as truth or you're not. Because what we end up doing when we're obsessing is we make up a truth that we hope will become true. So let's just say that you broke up with someone, and I've done this. I broke up with someone. Well, they broke up with me. And uh, I wanted her back. And so I would be obsessively thinking about her coming back all the time, every day, every minute of the day. I wonder if she's going to call me. I wonder if she's going to text me. This is back in the 90s when I had a pager. I wonder if she's going to show up. I wonder how she's doing. I couldn't even stalk her social media back then in the 90s. <laughs> There's a lot of people that do that. But back then, I just had to wait for the phone call or the page. And I was obsessed. I was, I was completely obsessed. I would show up at her work. I would be kind of stalkerish. And so that was not a healthy behavior. Not only was it unhealthy because it's not a good idea to show up at someone's work after you've broken up and they don't want to be with you again, but it's also unhealthy because when you can't stop thinking about it and you're obsessed about it, it just takes up all your damn time. It really does. It takes up so much time and energy thinking about something that doesn't exist. 
It doesn't. We make it up. We want it to happen, but it's not happening. It's not true. It may never happen, but we want it to so bad we become obsessed. So then we follow through on the obsession by either being stalkerish or following up with them or calling them or, or following them on social media, following them around town. Hopefully that's not you, but I imagine some people in this listening audience have done this. Maybe you're doing it now. But whatever it is, the obsessive thoughts take up a lot of space, a lot of time and energy inside your own head. And it's important to get out of that. And so I'm not going to spend too much time on obsession because I talked about it in detail in other episodes. But I bring it up because of this regardless statement. And I love using this regardless statement to help me become clear on truth and clear on my own intentions and how my own intentions may not be that honorable. I'm not saying that if you do this, you don't have honorable intentions. I'm saying it helps me get back in touch with my, I don't know, my morality, the good person I want to be, the person who doesn't want to control or manipulate other people. That's the person I want to be. And when I'm obsessed, I might do things that are not that person I want to be. And so this is where the regardless statement comes in. And this is how it is framed, where you state something that you want the other person to do or say, and then you say regardless or some form of regardless. And then you say the opposite of what you want. And in fact, the opposite is a truth that you don't want to hear. And it's usually something that they want or don't want. So what we're doing is stating what you want in the beginning, regardless of what they want or don't want. A good example of this is I want her to love me again. I want her back in my life and I want her to love me again. Now, the opposite of that is that she doesn't love me and she doesn't want to be in my life. Now, I don't want that to be true. So what I'm going to do is put these two statements together with regardless. I want her to love me again and be back in my life, regardless of whether she loves me or not, or regardless if she wants to be back in my life or not. It's a little tricky how you word it, but what I'm doing is making a statement from her perspective, because I believe her perspective is she doesn't love me. I want her to love me, but she doesn't love me and she doesn't want me back. So I'm going to speak that potential truth in my statement. I want her back. I want her to love me, regardless of the fact that she doesn't want me back and she doesn't love me. When I say that, it makes me face myself and my own behavior. That's like saying, I want to control her and make her do what I want. That's what I'm doing. I mean, when you're in obsessive thoughts, you don't really think that way. You really want the other person to do something or say something, and you just wait for the day for that to happen. But when you're in obsessive thinking, you tend not to consider their feelings. So what I like about this process is that you are purposefully considering what they want or what they don't want. You're considering their feelings, you're considering their needs, and you're including it in your want statement. I want that person to love me again, regardless of what they want. I want that person to love me, even though I know they don't love me. 
I want that person to come back to me. I want to be in that person's life again, even though they don't want me in their life. This is how you start to break the pattern of obsessive thoughts is you add this disqualifying statement at the end that helps to expose the truth from their side, even though you don't want to believe it. Because when you say this whole statement, you're forced to try it on and you're forced to look at your own values and your own behavior and you'll discover if you like that behavior. Because feeling obsessed and having these obsessive thoughts, it really takes up your time and energy and you just can't do anything else while you're obsessed. So I like to run our wants and our needs through this regardless filter and make sure that I understand that what I want is opposite of what they want. And I might even think that I deserve this and that we deserve another chance. You know, I might say that to myself regardless whether she wants that or not. What that does is put me, and this is going to sound a little harsh on myself, but it puts me in the position of the bad guy. I'm not saying that you should think of yourself as a bad guy or a bad girl, or I'm not saying that at all. But the reason I'm sharing this with you is because as soon as you start evaluating yourself through this regardless filter, you start to understand that perhaps the behavior that you're doing isn't helpful, isn't healthy, and actually has an element of control and manipulation in it. And if you don't like that about yourself, suddenly you might start to change. Feeling obsessed is one of the most, probably, I think it's at the top three of the most difficult psychological states of mind that I've ever had to work through myself and with my clients. When somebody is obsessed, they can't be convinced. <laughs> they can't be coerced. They can't be tricked into thinking something else. They can't be told that it's unhealthy because they're not going to change. When you're feeling obsessed, you want what you want no matter what. So I like this process to help you evaluate your own behavior and also introduce a perspective that maybe you didn't have in there before, which is their wants, their needs. But even though you may already know their wants and needs, stating it in a way that shows the conflict in what you want and how you want to achieve it. And how you want to achieve it is wanting them to do something that they don't want. I mean, think about just that statement alone. I want that person to do something that they don't want to do. Where does that put you? That puts you as the bad guy. I mean, I, again, I don't like to call you that, but if you're in an obsessive thought pattern, perhaps this is what needs to happen to free you from it, to break it up. If this frees you from it, maybe you can move on and get out of the pattern and start living life again. So I wanted to mention that regardless filter in case you hadn't heard me talk about that before and um, add another angle to it that I didn't talk about in the other episode, um, which is, did I even mention the episode? I talked about this in another episode. I, I don't know if I mentioned it yet. It is the episode called, here it is. Uh, it's episode number 285 called Making Decisions That Are Right For You and tackling obsession and overthinking once and for all. 
And here I am tackling obsession and overthinking again. <laughs> but this is the last I'll say of it in this episode because I've pretty much exhausted that point. But you get it. I think you get it. And just try it with some things in your life. Try it with anything that you overthink or obsess about and see what comes up for you. And if it doesn't make sense how I explained it today, head back to 285, making decisions that are right for you and tackling obsession and overthinking once and for all. You can find that at theoverwhelmedbrain.com or your favorite podcast player. I'm going to start to wrap this up because in the outro of the show, I'm going to address a message that somebody sent me saying that they were quitting social media. They wanted to quit social media because they wanted a more peaceful state of mind and they wanted my opinion on it. And yeah, I think I have an opinion on it. Let's go there after my thank yous and goodbyes right after this. We'll be right back and I will get into that subject shortly. Be back in a minute. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank our sponsor today, BetterHelp. That's betterhelp.com forward slash brain. Head over there for 10% off your first month of a great service that I highly recommend. And like every week, I want to thank the patrons of the week. These are the financial backers and supporters of the show. They joined the patron program over at moretob.com, and I am so grateful for their support and very honored and humbled and happy to mention these patrons this week. It's Christy and Jacob, and oh, Jacob's new, brand new. Jacob actually is a patron and also donated very generously. I am grateful for you, Jacob. Thank you so much. You went above and beyond, and really great to see you here. Thank you. Callie, Leela, Christy, Henry, oh, another Christy. There's two Christies in there, I promise. Henry, Andrea, Crystal, Larita, Adriana, Julia, always great to see you, Julia. Anna, always great to see you, Anna. All these people are really great to see. I recognize all the names. I just have to continue reading so I can get them all in here. Lucy, you're a very recent patron. Great to see you again. All of these patrons are very special to me. And you'll hear more names next week. If I didn't call your name and you are a patron, you'll hear it coming up. I appreciate all of you. And uh, if you find value in the show and you want to give back, you can head over to moretob.com. Join the patron program there. There's a few options in there. You can give a few bucks a month if you want, or you can give more, or you can just make a one-time donation, or if you just want to become a patron to get the extra goodies that I have over at the patron site, you can do that as well, because I have about 100 episodes in there, some worksheets and workbooks and a video archive, all kinds of neat things in there, so I like to give back as well. If you find value in the show and you want to give back, head over to moretob.com. Thank you, existing patrons, and thank you for everyone that listens to this show and leaves reviews for this show. I try to read all the reviews. I don't get to them on the air all the time, but I am reading those words. If you wrote them, I've read them. <laughs> Hopefully I've read them all. Uh, sometimes I have to search a little harder for the international reviews, but I'm getting them. Don't worry, I'm getting them. And I appreciate all of you for any support that you show. And even listening to the show is supporting it. Because if it's helping you, then it's helping the planet, and that goes toward my bigger picture, my greater good for what I'm trying to do here. Thank you again. 
And I'm going to read you a quick message from someone who appreciates the show. She said, Paul, I'm a new listener, and I found your podcast eye-opening, and you hit the nail on the head on a lot of things. You've helped me see that in order to be happy in my relationship with my spouse, I first need to make myself happy and love myself and accept my spouse for who he is, and only he can change himself. And through my growth, I hope he will also want to grow with me. You've helped me with my anxiety and trust issues. I do trust my spouse, but I've had I've been burned in the past, but I'm learning to let things from the past go and not put it on him. It's a work in progress, but I show my spouse every day that I love and appreciate and respect him. And thank you for your podcast. It has truly helped me. Thank you, Mr. Paul. <laughs> Mr. Paul, thank you so much for writing this. I appreciate you, and I am so grateful you shared this. This is amazing that you are going through this transformation in your relationship because you had some old emotional triggers and you decided that you were going to address them. You had some trust issues. You're going to address that. And your husband is probably grateful that you're not trying to change him and you're trying to accept him for who he is. Hey, you know what? That's very tough stuff. If you're going through those changes and you are going from uh, not so trusting to more trusting, very hard. If you've been burned in the past, very hard because you're carrying around some old emotional wounds that need healing. And uh, that is very difficult. And for you to share this with me and you're on this healing journey and growing through these changes and hopefully you can grow through these changes together as a couple, I am just so proud of you. I am just so glad that you shared this and thank you for that and thank you for your words and uh, it's a lot of work it's all on you <laughs> it's not on me it's on you I come on the air and I maybe act as a guide for you but you got to do all the hard work and it sounds like you are and I will say it gets easier the hard work does get easier because you get past the big hurdles and the big hurdles are sometimes those deeper core issues that you've always had trouble with. For example, I had always had trouble with honoring my boundaries my entire life. My mom taught me what it was to be a people pleaser, so that's what I became. Not that I'm blaming her, I'm just saying that's where I got it, and I learned how to do that. And then one day I decided to not be a people pleaser anymore. Very, very difficult hurdle because I didn't know any other way of being. So when you are a certain way, you do certain behaviors most of your life, if not all of your life, that is the biggest step to take. It is a huge transition to make. And every time you step in a different direction from what you've been doing all your life, give yourself a huge pat on the back. <laughs> Tell yourself, wow, great job. You did it. You did it. In my case, it would be like, wow, you told that person what? You stood up to that person? You've never done that before. Good job. Yeah, but I was scared and I'm still shaking. So what? Good job. You did it. That means you can do it again. That means you are changing your life and things will change for you. And they have. I mean, every time I come on the air and talk about something that I did in my past or some big change that I went through or some big obstacle that I finally got through, it has always made a huge shift in my life and changed my life. If anything, 
I've said this before, but this is the first time in my life, the last uh, seven or eight years has been the very first time in my entire life where I didn't feel like I was carrying around some old emotional triggers that I felt all the time. I'm sure there's still some in there. I'm not going to say I'm perfect, but I'm saying that in every single situation and relationship that I've ever been in, I always felt like there was just something under the surface, something underlying that could come out at any moment because I was unhealed or unresolved in some area of my life. And having addressed everything that I could possibly think of, every time it comes up, every time I'm triggered, I actually address it, I process it, I do my best to release it, heal from it, so that I can move on, so that I don't have to carry it with me anymore. This is what this person is doing. She's working on not having to carry this stuff with her anymore. And this is what I want for you too. I don't want you to carry this stuff with you. So that's why it's important to work on it. Because if you carry it with you, it affects your behavior. It affects your decisions. It affects your life in many ways. You'll get into situations and relationships that probably aren't healthy for you. Because when you have unresolved traumas and hurts and wounds your perception can be a little bit altered. And if you walk around with an altered perception, you might get an altered reality. There's that altered reality talk again. And that's what happens. When you have emotional triggers and you're walking around with some old traumas or at least unhealed, or you're not working on them at all, and you just hope they go away so you stuff them back down, you'll have an altered perception of reality. You will not be able to see things for what they are. You'll see things through that filter. And so until you get rid of that filter, you don't always get the outcomes that you want. So bravo to this person who wrote, thank you so much for sharing this. And thank you for your words. I appreciate you. I also want to mention the Love and Abuse podcast. If you're not familiar, I have another podcast called Love and Abuse over at loveandabuse.com. It is for anyone that is dealing with someone toxic in their life or someone that is doing emotionally abusive behavior. Or if you're not sure if they're doing emotionally abusive behavior, tune into that show because that reveals all kinds of bad behaviors that people shouldn't do. You know, controlling and manipulation and gaslighting and all this stuff that we don't want in our lives. And if you feel like there's somebody like that in your life, it's time to get educated so that you know how to handle those situations or what you need to do next. Head over to loveandabuse.com for more of that. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And like I said, somebody asked me about my opinion about quitting social media. In fact, let me read the email. I'm not sure if I got that right. He says, uh, one day it dawned on me that I was not able to appreciate what I had accomplished in my career and where I was because I was so preoccupied with keeping up with Instagram. One hour would fly by in no time, scrolling through posts, none of them much different than the day before, but most of them filling me up with a sense of being inadequate. I had to do something. I knew where this was going and the shadow of an oncoming depression recognizable from my time after my divorce made me aware of exactly how to stop it. After looking back at the past two years of my career, I could tell that all of my clients came through personal recommendations, word of mouth, and none through Instagram. So he was trying to use Instagram to gain clients, I think. I immediately informed my closest connections on the platform and deleted my account. The change has been phenomenal. I feel more present in the moment. 
I don't have the urge to change or modify what I'm doing to make it worthy of a post. I can experience the events in my life with calmness without the stress of how it would be perceived or judged on social media. I have my mornings back again. I am attentive to my colleagues, friends, and family, and I feel the tranquility of my evenings before bedtime. Reading a book, making music, or improving my skills. Basically, leaving social media, and especially Instagram, has spouted my creativity to a new level. I think we will see more and more people leaving social media over the next decade, and at the other end of the scale, a massive number of people ending up depressed with the feeling of being alone and unfulfilled. What is your opinion of social media, Paul? (laughs) Most people I ask think of leaving often, but always have an excuse. Thanks for all your great episodes. Okay, thank you so much for this question and for sharing this. Uh, My opinion on social media is... Let me start off with a story. (laughs) I was on Facebook the other day, and I commented on someone's post that uh, disagreed with what they said and basically said something that I realized would probably get a negative response from them, even though I was, I think I was right about it and I was kind about it, but it pointed out something they were doing that wasn't very nice. And after I posted it, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I posted something and then I went away, didn't open up social media for the rest of the day, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. That night, I thought about it. I woke up the next morning. I wonder what they said. I don't even want to look. That's what I was thinking about. I was constantly thinking about it. And it made me realize we do this to ourselves. We go on social media and we make comments and we make posts. And then we wait for the replies. And we do this to ourselves. It's almost like we're trying to get some sort of acknowledgement or attention or liking or appreciation, something. I mean, of course, this is a psychological thing. Social media companies know how to lure you in and make you feel like you just need that next story. You just need to click on this one thing. You just need to read this comment on this story. They feed you that information. They know a lot about you because you do a lot of stuff online. And uh, I get these post every now and then that I just feel like I need to comment on because I want to change someone's mind or I want to enlighten them for some reason. And I notice myself doing this and then I can't stop thinking about it and it makes me realize how much time I spend, talk about obsessing, how much time I spend thinking about what I posted and what's going to be the response from it. Because of that, it caused me to realize that even when I'm not on social media, I'm on social media. (laughs) It's just there all the time. Now, I'm not talking about like groups. Like I'm in Facebook groups. I have a Facebook group that I love that I call the safest place on the internet. It's the Overwhelmed Brain Empowerment Group. Everyone in there is supportive and kind and caring. And there's no spam. There's no politics. And when you go in there, it just feels like the safest place on the internet. It's a judgment-free zone, and if you want to join, you're certainly welcome to, and I'd love to see you there. But the reason I brought that up is because there are aspects of social media that are fantastic. They bring people together. They get the message out. They let us know when people are in a certain area where there has been a disaster, and the people can notify us, and our friends can tell us, oh, we're okay, we're okay. I mean, there's a lot of positive uses for social media. 
And then there's the other side where people use it for their psychological fulfillment, where they feel like they might have something missing in their life, the lack of attention, the lack of love, the lack of connection, and they're using social media to fulfill that. And some people need to. I mean, there are times where you're just in the middle of nowhere and you have no other way to communicate except phone, and phone's nice, but can you share a picture over the phone? I guess with new phones you can, but the whole idea of social media is making it easier to connect. But that's also part of the problem, I think, is because we connect so often, but that may be part of the problem. I don't know. We're just, we see each other's posts all the time. It can be fun, but uh, you see everyone's thoughts all the time. And now you're in the wild, wild west where anything can happen. So this can be dangerous territory. And this is why it's important to regulate your use and do things in a way that don't put you in harm's way and make you miserable. And this is what I'm talking about. When I posted something the other day and I couldn't stop thinking about it, I realized it was making me miserable. This wasn't in the empowerment group. <laughs> this was somebody else's post on some other timeline. And it made me miserable. I didn't want to look at the post again. I wanted to make my point, but at the same time, I didn't want it to go any further than that. I just wanted to get away from it. And because of that, I decided not to post any more about that subject matter. And in fact, with all this political heat that we're feeling now, everyone's talking politics and the sides are just so different I'm seeing people post things that are hurtful and insulting and offensive and hateful. And I just want to, you know, write something in the post, just like probably many people do. And, you know, straighten people out. <laughs> That's what I want to do. But I don't. But I still see these posts. And I, I decided just recently that I'm going to hide these posts or not follow them anymore. In most social media services, you can do that. You can unfollow people. You can stop seeing their posts. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm purposely hiding things that upset me. Does this solve the problem? Does it make life better? It makes life better. But is social media a harmful thing? It all comes down to regulation and moderation. Not from them, but from yourself. Because everything you do on social media is a feedback loop to how you feel. So if you go online and you post something fun and nice and you feel good about it, if you are waiting for people to respond to it because you have a desire for that attention, for that connection, um, and you will be unhappy if nobody comments on it, then maybe you shouldn't post. I mean, I'm going to throw that out there. Maybe you shouldn't post on social media if your goal is to get comments and likes and people reaching out to you and saying that's wonderful because if you don't get that where are you and this is probably my main point with social media if you don't get what you're looking for are you still okay because if you're not then maybe you're either using social media in a way that is harmful to you or it might be worthwhile to do what this person did and take a break from it. Or he may never come back to social media. I don't know. But I look at things in relation to the result that you get. And if you use social media and you have a great time using it, and it, maybe it fires you up. Maybe it just makes you happy. Maybe you don't follow people that tick you off or, or rub you the wrong way. And every time you get on it, it's a fun thing. And you enjoy it. Or 
it's part of something else that you do. You learn a lot from it, like I do. I go into groups and I learn things. Uh, then use it for that purpose, but try to be careful about when you don't get what you want, where does that put you? And this usually involves regular conversations with other people in social media circles. And uh, when you have a lot more friends, you get a lot more conversations and a lot more opinions. And suddenly you're not with like-minded people. You're with the variety of any kind of people. You are going to get every opinion on the planet, even though social media is designed to sort of put you in like-minded places but they'll also send you stuff that you are interested in even if it upsets you if you're interested in the 2020 presidential race and you love one side and you hate the other you're probably going to get both sides because social media has seen that you read both kinds of posts so they just send you more of what you read and if you don't like that and it ticks you off and you can't stop thinking about it it's time to self-regulate so in answer to this person who wrote, I don't think social media is a bad thing. I don't think everyone should quit unless they can't self-regulate. And that doesn't mean you couldn't self-regulate because I think some people should quit just to experience what life is like. <laughs> Maybe you get your time back. Maybe you can read a book again and play music again and do whatever you want to do with your time and have your mornings back and maybe you'll get your brain back because you're not thinking about that post all the time that comment that you made all the time and that would be a great experiment and if that fulfills your life and you realize wow my life is so much better then maybe that was the right choice for you social media is not a requirement it's just popular and a lot of people use it but it's not required you don't have to at the same time sometimes you can't connect with certain people unless you're on social media because that's how they communicate. So I do believe that social media has a lot to offer. And at the same time, I do believe social media can lead to what you said, depression and even possible suicide. I mean, I think people have committed suicide because they were chastised or bullied or put down on social media and they took it to heart and they went that direction. And that's very sad. So it is, a, it is a very, very powerful tool. It's like putting a young child in a control room with tons of buttons and switches, and each button and switch controls a different aspect of some big machine, and that machine does a lot of things, controls a lot of emotions, connects with a lot of people, and when you have that kind of power... Boy, you got to be really careful how you use it. And if you get sucked into one way of thinking and one way of doing, you might experience the psychological ups and downs that you can go through if you have any of these issues that I'm talking about, like trying to get your next emotional high from the next comment and looking for others' attention and respect and wanting to be liked and things like that. So in answer to your question, I personally don't have a problem with social media if you're able to self-regulate, but if you're not able to self-regulate, then it's something that perhaps you should take a break from. And even if you aren't able to self-regulate, there are ways to filter things so you see less of them. And I think that's important because you can become obsessed. Just like we talked about earlier, you can become obsessed. And that obsessiveness, if it's bleeding into your life and causing you to feel bad in any way, something needs to change. And for this person who wrote, something needed to change. 
He was either obsessed or depressed or he was going in a direction that he didn't like. And the biggest step to take is when you're going in a direction that you don't like, you try to take a step in the opposite direction to find out what it's like. The pendulum swing is all the way on one side and he decided to just cut that out of his life and the pendulum swing went all the way to the other side and he realized, hey, this side's pretty nice. I like it over here. This is what I've been missing. Whoa. The pendulum swing may come back in the middle. Maybe he'll do it a little bit on different social platforms or maybe he'll never go back again. <laughs> I like using social media, but only in moderation and of course, with the movies out there like The Social Dilemma on Netflix, it'll give you um, all the inner workings of how social media works. And other movies like um, uh, it's the series Black Mirror. If you've never seen Black Mirror, it's a kind of a dark sci-fi Twilighty Zone thing, but it does have a dark edge to it. So be careful if you're not into that stuff. But there's one of the episodes that has this woman that is always, always, always on her phone looking for the next like. And she posts things waiting for those likes. And everywhere she goes, she's posting things waiting for the likes. And it's pretty interesting because she just starts to lose her mind near the end. I won't give it away, but she doesn't get the likes that she wants. And they have a whole rating system. So if you don't get enough likes, you don't get in the ranks. And because you're not in the ranks, you're not uh, popular in society. And it's kind of scary because <laughs> it does seem like a reflection on what we have today. And... uh we just have to be careful using it. And I hope this helps answer your question on my opinion of social media. I think it is a powerful tool and it can also be a harmful tool and we just have to use it wisely. And if we are not feeling good using it, then we have to change our use or maybe try something different, maybe something else. Maybe we need to disconnect and it's always nice to disconnect every now and then. I like disconnecting every now and then. Past couple mornings, I've been going out, sitting in the sun before I start my day, and just disconnecting. You know what disconnecting does? It helps me keep an open mind, and that's what I want you to do. I want you to keep an open mind, because this will help you step into your power to create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure, and above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing.